Welcome to Generation Why Am I Like This. I'm Casey. I'm Liz. And I'm Alec. And this is the podcast where we look back at some of our favorite pop culture moments from our childhoods. And this week is a very special week because we have a near and dear friend to the podcast. Ben Oxer is here with us. Yay! Hello, Ben. Hello! Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah. Being here. Being here. Yeah, yeah, nobody yeah. nobody goes anywhere. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no one arrives or departs. <laughs> Everyone just is. Oh. So, oh my god, we're so already getting deep and philosophical. Sad. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'll I pull like back. Your... <laughs> no more, further, too bad, um, too much, <laughs> too much. Yeah, and this week you're going to be talking to us about a show you like. I think. Yeah, um, I hope so. Otherwise, I've misunderstood the purpose of the podcast. Um, uh, I am going to talk about uh, Pinky and the Brain, uh, an animated series uh, from the 90s that I think probably a lot of people will remember and is uh, sort of relevant again because Hulu just recently this year released a new season of of Animaniacs, which includes... Mm -hmm. Which includes new Pinky and the Brain segments within it, so it's oh, kind cool. of been kind of been rebooted. I didn't know that. Yeah, cool. So I watched a couple of episodes of the new season last night. It was it's pretty good. My personal history with Pinky and the Brain is that it was one of my favorite shows when I was a kid. Uh, it premiered in 1995. That means I would have been six years old. I don't think I started watching it at six. I think I was probably. 10 maybe <clears throat> excuse me i'm ju- i just went through puberty just remembering <laughs> just remembering being 10 oh. uh i have a, I've, i'm an actor so i have a very vivid sort of sense memory that like <laughs> takes over my body it's very method of you yeah wow. uh, i think i was probably about 10 when i started watching it so I, I think age maybe 10 through like 13 it was part of my regular media diet my regular rotation and um i would walk around the house you know trying to imitate the voices more pinky than brain because that's the easier one to try right and uh yeah it's one of those shows that even though i don't think i've really truly revisited revisited it much um in my adulthood it's very burned into my brain so what 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 about you all are you how familiar are you with pinky and the brain yeah, I totally remember the show a lot growing up. I mean, the intro itself is so iconic. Like, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's a banger. It's a bop. Uh, <laughs> uh, but while watching it again, I did remember, as strange as it is, because I feel like a little kid, you should, like, think that uh, Pinky is the really funny one because he's a slapstick over the top. But I remember thinking Brain was hilarious <laughs> and thinking that he was the cooler yeah. one and I wanted to be more like Brain, which I don't know what that <laughs> says about me as a kid, but... <laughs> Just means you wanted to know everything. I did. And also take over the world. Yeah, I still don't know what he's saying half the time, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched it fairly regularly. I would say it was in my rotation of childhood cartoons, but I wouldn't say that I saw every episode. I, I couldn't like identify a specific episode of the actual Pinky and the Brain show, um, especially like compared to their their parts of Animaniacs or something else, but I did like it. I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I, this was also one that I watched, uh, and, you know, obviously it connects with Animaniacs, which I watched a lot of as well. Uh, I think, what channel would this have been on when we were kids? This was on the WB. Okay, so this, uh, yeah. For, so you and I, were were you in Kansas City? Did you grow up in Kansas City? I yeah, forget. I grew up. Yeah, so I, that would have been channel 62. I'm impressed that wow. you remember that. <laughs> oh, I remember. I remember there were only I mean, we didn't have cable. I didn't have cable, so so there were only like six channels to know, and mm-hmm. I very much remember mm. what they all were. Oh yeah. my That's god, ben, that is a hundred percent correct, and you just blew my mind. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Channel four was Fox, five was CBS, nine was ABC, sixteen was TBN, nineteen was PBS. 29 was UPN, 41 was NBC, 50 was PAX, and 62 was the WB. Oh my god. Wow. It's like That's I'm cycling episode. through Thanks with everyone. Look it up! No more needs to be said. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. Anyway, Liz, you were saying? Yeah, sorry, Liz. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, that's basically I it. You. I just remember, I think this was something that was on after school, usually, uh, when I would flip through, so I think... At least with Animaniacs, this would be paired with it, uh, so I would often watch it. I don't remember anything super specific, other than as soon as the theme song started, I knew all the words. I mean, there's not a lot of words to the theme song, obviously, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I know how it goes. <laughs> so, As we've uh, sort of alluded to already, uh, Pinky and the Brain started on the show Animaniacs. Um, which was a, a show that was produced by Steven Spielberg, which is so nuts like Mm -hmm. it's especially (laughs) nuts it's especially nuts to think of in retrospect because this was 1993 when animaniacs came out and like steven spielberg obviously still a very big name in entertainment but like in the 80s and 90s he was the king of hollywood like there there was no bigger name in the film industry than steven spielberg and so it's sort of wild to me that like at the peak of all of that he was like you know what i want to do it's like weird <laughs> offbeat like cartoon that's kind of for kids but not really but um, not really yeah not, not at all yeah. <laughs> on that show, there was a recurring segment, a recurring cartoon segment called Pinky in the Brain. And it was so popular that they just decided, hey, let's spin this off into its own series. That happened in um, 1995 with the official launch of Kids WB, um, which I think was an after school slash uh, Saturday morning kind of block of, of shows. And yeah, it ran for uh 66 episodes oh that's evil um <laughs> i just like had a thing where is was the ad for kids wb did it go like kids wb yourself because <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that was a thing and that if it sounds not, like a it sounds it like a very 90s thing to have yeah. happened <laughs> That definitely sounds get like it, something be that yourself, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> that just, like, appeared in my brain. When you said Kids WB, it just, like, took over my body. I had to do it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> this is a You're very... speaking in tongues, but it's 90s <laughs> pop culture references. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the premise, for anybody who doesn't know, the premise is there are these two laboratory mice um, who uh, have been enhanced in 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 certain ways 
Uh, their jeans pink, have been spliced. You could say their jeans have been spliced. I thought I would just I thought I would just restate the uh, the lyrics to the theme song in like a very boring non rhymy way. But uh, so so there's a there's a really really smart mouse named the Brain, and there's a very dumb mouse named Pinky. And uh, Brain is a megalomaniac. He wants to take over the world, and so every every episode or every segment will revolve around some new scheme that Brain would introduce to take over the world, and inevitably it would go wrong, and something would happen. Pinky would try to help him, but things fall apart for one reason or another, and uh, the whole thing starts over. There wasn't really any continuity. There were certainly no like overarching story arcs multi-episode but also there wasn't even there wasn't even strong continuity in the setting a lot of episodes would just sort of be set by default at like a modern day american uh science lab but sometimes they would be in the 18th century or they would be in london they would be you know they would be next to some (laughs) historical event and it just it was never mentioned it was just like whatever this one's this episode's a sherlock one like don't worry about it um I I did watch another episode besides the one we yeah. did, and I still like in my brain I could remember a Shakespearean episode, and they did a spoof of Hamlet, which was pretty yes, fun. that's right. But the episode like paired with it was a Winnie the Pooh spoof, and <laughs> instead of Christopher Robin, it was Christopher Walken. <laughs> it was so well, good. and that that actually segues into something that I wanted to talk about with with Pinky and the Brain and with Animaniacs. There's this strange sensibility to both of those shows. Where, like I said, they are kids shows, like they were on Kids WB, they were programmed for kids, but so many of the references w- just went way above kids' heads. Like, I I didn't know who the hell Christopher Walken was, and like... Uh, and they, they, they would make political jabs, you know, they, they would, mm-hmm. they would, uh, they would satirize, uh, political figures and stuff. I didn't understand any of that. They like to frequently sort of... Animaniacs more so than Pinky and the Brain, but both of them like to sort of open the door to reveal sort of the backstage process of of television production and talk mm-hmm. about that world and kind of satirize that world and and that was all stuff that I was just like I don't really get this, but like I want to <laughs> I want to yeah. get this yeah so I kept watching. I think the only reason I knew that Bill Clinton played the saxophone is because of the Animaniacs yeah. theme song. In the Winnie the Pooh episode too, speaking of political figures, Eeyore was played by or was Al yes. Gore, and he was full of <laughs> hot right. air, and that was his problem. <laughs> That's right. And again, watching it, I was like, "How would a kid get any of this? This isn't for kids. <laughs> this is just not for kids." <laughs> it's really strange what's the tone that they were able to strike, and like it, on paper, it, it seems like it shouldn't have worked. But it's a weird it, balance. It's we, great. We all though. remember it. I'm sure yeah. the new Animaniac series has a really hard time trying to relate uh, the brain to you know anyone currently <laughs> in po- politics who fails again and again in trying to overtake <laughs> certain things. You know, every episode is just about another attempted coup, and it just falls apart. Yeah, <laughs> but the brain is just spray painted orange in this version. <laughs> well, they make fun of Trump in the anim- the new Animaniacs. That is like. There's a segment about like I didn't watch it, but I know it's in it's there. A good idea, bad were, idea. People were mad about it because they were like, "What is this? Ah, you're trying to turn my kid into an anti-Trumper." Yeah. What? Know. No. Whatever. No. Yeah. It's actually in the in the first episode of the new Animaniacs. It's kind of great because they they open with this thing and they're just like, "What have we missed over the last like 22 years?" And they try to review it, <laughs> and then they get up to like the current presidential administration and they're like. 
we're not sure what's happening because because <laughs> the writers wrote this in 2018. Oh my God. We don't know what it'll be like by the time this airs. <laughs> it's like, yeah, fair enough. Fair oh, enough. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, the two principal actors were uh, Pinky, who was played by Rob Paulson, who also played uh, Yakko in um, Animaniacs, and a whole bunch of other uh, recognizable uh, cartoon characters. The Brain was played by uh, Maurice Lamarche, who is also a regular in um, Futurama and a lot of other mm. a lot of other stuff. So these are guys who, if you've watched any a handful of uh, American cartoon shows, like you've you've heard their work, Maurice's voice for the Brain was actually just a slightly altered impression of Orson Welles, um, <laughs> because yeah, there's this wonderful recording of orson wells he's trying to read ad copy for like a a produce company or something and he's in the booth and he just hates the script he hates the script Mm -hmm. so much (laughs) and so he's reading the ad copy but he's like fighting with the producers the whole time and he's just talking about like how terrible the writing is and so Maurice loved this bit. He had listened to it a million times and he'd memorized it. And he loved to go into his impression of doing it. And so whenever there was a uh, sound check for a job that he was doing, you step into the booth and it's time to check the levels. That was his default. He would start doing <laughs> he would start doing his his Orson Welles complaining about a script uh, bit. And so when he auditioned for the part of the brain, he walked in and he he looked at the character and he seemed to be this, you know, this, this grumpy little guy who was maybe a little too smart for his own good. And he was just like, all right, well, I'm just going to do, I'm going to do my Orson Welles. And so that's it really. The brain is voiced <laughs> by Orson Welles by, by way of <laughs> Maurice LaMarche. And it's wonderful. Oh, and if that. you haven't heard that clip of uh, Orson, you've got to look it up. It's, it's really funny. It's almost not quite uh, the same, but the um, clip that I recently saw floating around the internet of Alex Trebek doing the commercials from the 70s or 80s oh, it's for great. Jeopardy. Yep. And he's like, call in from home. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <And> then, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happens in it, but it's just really funny. And he keeps saying bad I watched that too. Giggle. It was very clear to me. I was just like, yep, this is a guy who's been on, on set all day. He's been on set yeah. all day and yeah. he's so tired of shooting these promos. He's just walking right. around swearing and it's it's wonderful. So the episode that I picked was kind of random. It was really just, I was trying to, I was just thinking of like things that I remembered. And one segment of this episode in particular was like the first thing that came to mind. So I Googled like, which one was that? It's a three segment episode. Some episodes were just one story um, and some were two and some were three. And so the three segments in this episode are Tokyo Grows, That Smarts, and Brainstem. Yeah. I, I've run out of factoids. Does anyone else have factoids? <laughs> no. I have two little things. Oh, okay. Go for it. So one, because we recently talked about the Lizzie McGuire movie, I thought it was interesting that um, Alex Borstein was a staff writer for Peking. Oh, that's true. Yeah, really? that's true. Yeah. I uh, thought that was really what fun. What can't she do? Yeah, she did that before she started Mad TV. So I was like, great. And um, my other very short little tidbit is that the brain was the inspiration for Dr. Neocortex of the Crash Bandicoot franchise. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) And that made me very happy to see. (laughs) Well, that's very cool. Those are my my two little very short little tidbits that I just thought were fun. Yeah. 
I didn't. I knew about Alice Borstein. I didn't know about the 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 Crash connection. Right. I was like, we have to bring up Crash Bandicoot. Who doesn't love that? Yeah. That's another. That's another franchise that just got a new installment. These things mm-hmm. never yeah. die. They never die. I think we are the generation of nostalgia. I yeah. Don't know. yeah. Is that? We, I feel like our generation is preyed upon the most when it comes to like trying to get you to be like, oh, remember that thing? Well, I can't imagine it why. It's it's not like we voluntarily spend our time making entire podcasts about remembering that. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I mean, they're selling to the right it's demographic because it works every time. Yeah. I will watch every reboot. Speaking of nostalgia, cool. I can't wait to have uh, Doritos 3Ds again. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> Bring it back 3D Doritos. Wait, wait they are? <laughs> they are? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody Why? tells me anything. <laughs> Casey, I definitely sent that to the Ginger's chat. So I don't yeah, read don't anything you said. <laughs> I'm sorry, but 3D Doritos were not good. Well, they, they were weird were to eat. Bye, Casey. You can <laughs> well, Ben is not replacing me on the podcast. Okay, go. bye, everyone. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Generation. We're not, we're, we're millennials. Why is it called this? <laughs> <laughs> The 3D Doritos were the, um, those were the novelty snack that I couldn't resist. Every time I got them, I was just, every time I saw them, I was just like, oh, I got to try that. And then I would, (laughs) and then I would eat one and I would be like, oh, this is a Dorito, but clumsy. Yeah. (laughs) I don't need this. And then next time I saw one, I was just like, what is this bewitching geometry? And again, I would pick it up off the shelf. So it just, it tricked me. They came in that plastic tube that had a lid mm-hmm. that then you could pour some of them into the lid so that you had Hell a little yeah. snack cup. Hell yeah. And you could pretend like you were only going to eat that little snack cup, but then you just keep pouring them into the little thing. Because <laughs> I think it was thing, supposed yeah. to be like, oh, serving size is this little cup. And yeah. so they made it that way. But, you know, you still ate the whole flipping yeah. thing, so it didn't really. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. What are we talking about? Uh, pinky in the brain. So. <laughs> yes, yes, oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. So... This is episode three of season one, so very early in the series, but obviously they had already had time uh, in the Animaniacs days to kind of figure out the formula and the characters or whatever. Um, so the first segment is called Tokyo Grows, and this is a this is like a, a Godzilla spoof or, or, or playing around in the world of like early Godzilla movies. It mm-hmm. opens with um, some scientists in Japan who are who have this like shrink ray that they're using to miniaturize electronics and they're going to like sell these and make a lot of money stylistically they play around with the the old dubbing joke right so the idea mm-hmm. like an old um Godzilla movies famously but really a lot of foreign films if there's an american dub it doesn't quite fit maybe they hired kind of budget actors to do it so it's very sort of awkward and stilting and it doesn't quite sound right so that's how these scientists are talking. And then uh, their their work is interrupted by a report that comes over the radio, radio that Gollyzilla, oh my gosh, is uh, <laughs> is terrorizing <laughs> Japan and they run out the door, uh, which adorable. Uh, I think the idea of shrinking down like <laughs> electronics and selling them I was like that would totally work today people would go crazy for it like oh absolutely a little like mini the boom 90s, box. everyone loved tiny like that whole uh, snl sketch in the 90s with the super tiny phone uh that Zoolander. will would like hold up yeah uh when he worked <laughs> at what did he work at the gap or something the I don't gap remember. yes it yeah. was the gap <laughs> one thing i did want to say at the beginning of the episode yes uh, the intro because we 
we kind of talked about that we think it's a bop, which we talk about every single intro is a bop. Yes. <laughs> Literally every episode. But I do want to say that the actual like visuals of the intro just killed me because it looked like the first time you learn After Effects and you just decide to animate all the text. <laughs> I don't remember the lyrics in the original one. Like, I'm sure they were there, but I don't remember the lyrics going by as the, really? the song. I plays. think, yeah. and I could be wrong about this. I'd have to go check. I think eventually they took the lyrics off the screen because okay. the visuals that you see, at least in this episode, it's just clips from the series like you would expect except overlaid on top of them are just like text <laughs> flying all over the place. And like yeah, every, Microsoft yeah. Word art. Yeah, like every transition, every font, like just all over. The, and it it feels, I uh, this is total speculation, but it feels like a studio note or something. It feels like they were just like, mm. there's not enough happening in the beginning. We got to keep the kids engaged. Put some shit on the screen. I mean, maybe that's why I know all the words to it. Maybe it did happen, and I read them all, and then I remembered them, but now I don't remember. Yeah. Maybe this is like a Berenstein Bears thing, too. Like, I just yeah, re- removed no, it, it from my it was hilarious. <laughs> it's really wild. It was so bad. It's really wild. Uh, so we've set the scene. <laughs> this is the first time we actually see Pinky and the Brain. They are, of course, in the same uh, lab as the scientists um, who were just making the miniatures. They're in their little cage. Pinky is talking about uh, Gollyzilla, and at first he's talking in this sort of exaggerated, like, overdub style. Brain slaps him, and he stops. Uh, so that's where <laughs> we, that's when we kind of uh, come out of that trope. Brain starts to explain his uh, his latest plan for world domination, which is he wants to use the shrink ray, but he wants to reverse its powers so that it will enlarge Pinky. He puts Pinky in a Gollyzilla costume. So in like a bad... <laughs> so cute. In like a bad Godzilla costume. And he blows him up to the size of, of Godzilla. And uh, oh, and it's it, it should be noted at this point in in the episode that Brain has stated that he doesn't think that Gollyzilla is is real, but he <laughs> he blows up uh, he blows up Pinky to create Pinkzilla, <laughs> and his plan is I'm gonna unleash Pinkzilla on the city, and then I will also blow myself up, and I will you know we will sort of stage this thing where I save the city from Pinkzilla. I will be hailed as a hero. And they will make me their leader. <laughs> I love it. I love Pinkzilla. It also sounds like when you create a toy line for some sort of movie, but you don't have enough characters, so you just throw in a random skin. You're like, this one's Pinkzilla. They might be in the sequel. <laughs> this is Pinkzilla. <laughs> it's not made from it's not made from surplus Barbie stuff. We didn't just recolor the same toy. <laughs> <laughs> I I think what's kind of great about this is that like Pinky never questions any of this stuff like <laughs> brain is just like we're doing this and he's just like all right you know and off he goes <laughs> and that's fantastic <laughs> thank you i haven't tried it in a while um but so pinky he's blown up to the size of a godzilla and now brain is kind of directing him through a megaphone and telling him like you know go <laughs> smash up the city and he just off he goes there's a very sort of cute sequence where he walks around mock terrorizing the town he comes across a a couple who are like having a loving moment on a bridge and uh, he interrupts them and and you know wiggles his fingers at them and tells them to run in terror and they do (laughs) 
I do feel like it needs to be mentioned, though, that the I don't think the portrayals of any of the Japanese people are done well. I don't know. <laughs> They're not graceful. <laughs> they don't age well. I think it's... No. Uh, it wasn't as painful as I expected it to be, to be honest with you. Like, as soon as I remembered, I was like, oh, right. This is like a Godzilla parody. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, no. Oh, the, the, <laughs> I was like, the, the racial stereotypes are not going to be good. And mm, I mean, it, 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 it's not the episode you would write today. Mm-mm. But I don't think it was too bad. The joke was mostly the bad American dubbing. That was yeah. that was most of the joke. Mm-hmm. And then they did a thing where they had a recurring gag where the Japanese characters, whatever situation they were leaving, they would take the time to like carefully put their shoes back on. Yeah. Right. Because they like what a weird gag. Right. Well, I mean, because it's <laughs> what is that? Because it's like, well, because I guess it's like standard well, yeah. in Japanese culture to like take yeah, you take off your take shoes off your shoes when you, when you enter a room or you enter a house. Yeah. And it was just weird to be like, that's the funny thing we're gonna do. I'm like, at least it's <laughs> right. literally like the least offensive thing they could poke fun of like right. at a culture i'm like kudos for you for that yeah. but like for me it was the voices it? i just felt like they were like trying to be japanese and they were just it was just this side yeah. of uh... yeah i mean it's not it's not mickey rooney in breakfast at <laughs> tiffany yeah i will yeah. say that it's not that bad <laughs> we <laughs> winning um... that's the standard <sighs> i will say the first time they said gollyzilla i was like Whoa, and then I was like, oh no, his name actually is Gollyzilla. Thank the Lord. Yes. And then like oh. even when the couple's like kissing and they say Gollyzilla, they overemphasize it. So I'm so happy because I thought they were gonna do like the stereotype of replacing is, the yeah, R's. And so I was like, Oh, right. Okay, maybe you dodged a moment. That's yeah. that's nice. You thought that they were they were gonna do the R L switch thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think the Golly joke was more just like Golly is a more polite thing to say than God. Right. Yeah, I think that's. I think that was <laughs> a fan that was of more the joke. <laughs> uh, oh, and this this is where we get to a part that seems to be referenced, and it's a recurring gag, and it's I'm sure it's referencing something, and I don't know what it is. I thought if anyone on this podcast might know what it is, it might be Liz, because like I know what a like <laughs> Liz, I know what like a movie buff you are, but like we cut to a man wearing a suit, smoke yeah. smoking a cigarette. Which, first of all, smoking a cigarette. Talk about stuff you don't do in a kid's show. <laughs> in a children, yeah. yeah, for sure. But he's smoking a cigarette, and he just looks right to camera, and he says, yes, I see. And that's it. Yeah, <laughs> multiple <laughs> times, though. Right. I don't know what this is a reference to. I can only assume it is a reference to some Godzilla movie. Right? I think so, yeah. I yeah. don't know. I... So I don't really know Godzilla very well. Like, that's not a franchise that I'm super familiar with. So you sure. could be right. I found some information. Oh, Alec has Oh, good, 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 good. Uh, it says that it is referencing Raymond Burr, who appeared in footage spliced into the original Godzilla <gasps> that's movie. That's what I thought! Which, when it was released oh. in the U.S., um, he was best known as TV's Perry Mason. That's okay. right. I remember now. I remember now. When the yeah. original... Tumblr. When the original Godzilla... When they wanted to import it for American audiences, the the producer who was importing it was worried that it wouldn't draw Americans in because it didn't have any known American actors. I'm remember I'm remembering <laughs> this now. And so they got all these insert shots of this known American actor and they just kind of spliced it into the movie and had him like explaining things or reacting to things in English. Oh god. Oh my that god, makes that's sense. so right. Yes. That makes sense. That's, That's so, so bad. 
And look at where we are now. Like, Parasite won Best Picture. Uh, yeah. You know, we're maybe, are we getting better? I don't know. St- people still well, don't want to watch anything instance. with subtitles. They're like, get out of here. Yeah. We still hate foreign movies. America's made a few bad versions of Godzilla movies themselves. So, like, we yeah. did it, guys. We're succeeding. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That most recent one was so boring. <laughs> I can't imagine what it would take at this point to get me... Well, I was about to say to get me back in a theater. I mean, it would take a vaccine. Well. <laughs> it would take a vaccine to get me back in a theater. But, <laughs> but like assuming a post-pandemic world, I can't imagine what it would take to get me back in a theater to watch a Godzilla movie at this point. Like it's it's been it's been done. Like what? Yeah. yeah. What more can you do with that idea? Godzilla? No, thank you. Gamera or Mothra? <laughs> I'm all in. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. <laughs> so. Brain enlarges himself and becomes Brain Odo. I'm not entirely sure what that's a reference to. Basically, he becomes the the Mothra to Pinky's Godzilla, and he goes to stop him. But of course, the local military is just as afraid of him, so they start attacking him with tanks, and he blows up, which is a thing that happens uh, to these characters a lot. Uh, They blow up very frequently. Of course, it's, you know, it's cartoon rules. It's classic Looney Tunes rules. You can blow up and get flattened and, um, you know, turned into crinkle fries and whatever else. And in the next shot, you're totally fine. I like how specific the crinkle fries is. <laughs> That's great. It could happen. Uh, Brain uh, and Pinky are making so much of a ruckus that the real Gollyzilla emerges from the sea, comes up into the city. Uh, Brain sees him, assumes it's Pinky. And uh, tries to <laughs> stage a fight with him. Galicilla breathes fire on him, grabs him with his tail, and flops him around. Brain still somehow does not realize this isn't Pinky. Which is like, I mean, I get the cartoon logic. It's a little out of character for this like guy yeah. who's supposed to be <laughs> so brilliant. So then, of course, the gag plays out where Pinky comes up and he says, like, you know... Brain, what are you doing? Brain says, I'm fighting Pinky. Can't you see? Leave me alone. And then the, you know, the double take. Classic comedy. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, they crush the building that had the shrink ray in it. They crush the laboratory. They set off the shrink ray and it hits the Yes, I See guy. <laughs> who has just been, it's been cutting, it's cut back to him at this point, I don't know, two, three yeah. times. TV's Perry Mason. TV's Perry Mason. It hits him, and he grows to the size of a Godzilla. (laughs) So now he's fighting Gollyzilla. He knocks Gollyzilla into the beam again, and at this point, the shrink uh, ray goes haywire. It starts shooting at every single thing around it and growing everything to massive proportions. Up until the point that the entire Earth has also grown to massive proportions and that everything has evened out again and that the only things that are (laughs) relatively small now are Pinky and the Brain Mm -hmm. and Gollyzilla and TV's Perry Mason. (laughs) (laughs) And it ends with the, um, the bit that pretty much every episode and segment ends with. Brain makes some allusion to, you know, what we're going to do tonight or what we're going to do tomorrow night. And Pinky says, why? What's that? What are we going to do tonight, Brain? And Brain says, the same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Cue music. I will say, I do really want a miniature Godzilla. Right? I mean, I think, to be fair, I think you're just thinking of a lizard. (laughs) (laughs) 
but he breathes fire. That's fair. And I don't want stands- that part. Well, yeah, that's probably really dangerous. But <laughs> and he also stands on his leg, like his hind legs, which is cute. You get one of those running lizards that run across the desert. Yeah. Then you have to get yeah. on a desert. So yeah, and <laughs> you know, a whole desert. And have you well, priced deserts lately? <laughs> so the the second um, segment. And this is the segment that I remembered that caused me to Google, like, hey, which one was this? Uh, is called uh, That Smarts. And this one opens in their sort of more standard setting for episodes, which is like a modern day American lab. And we open on Brain doing some equations. Pinky approaches and Brain asks him, hey, have you ever thought about why it is that we haven't taken over the world? And Pinky says, oh, I know why, right? Gremlins. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uncanny. And Brain says, no, it's not Gremlins. Uh, It's because you're so stupid. And so (laughs) he... uh, He's been working on this like graphing calculator and at this moment he like hits the calculate button and it graphs out a picture of Pinky's face Um, because that's how calculations work. At this point, uh, you know, Pinky is worried that Brain is going to want to get rid of him because there's a big part of Pinky's character. Like I said, he's up for anything and he really just he just wants to be Brain's friend. He's very... uh, That's all he wants. uh, I literally wrote in my notes, I love Pinky. He's such a good friend. He is is an amazing (laughs) friend. He's so good. It's specifically in this episode. He's like such a sweetheart. (laughs) I love him. (laughs) Yeah. And so he's worried that, you know, Brain's going to want to get rid of him because he's realized that that Pinky is the problem. And Brain says, no, 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 I'm not going to get rid of you. I'm going to make you smart. Uh, Brain creates a, a make you smart contraption. (laughs) <laughs> and he sets Pinky down in this chair and he like straps him in and puts a thing on his head. It looks very much like a like an electric chair. Or, you know, it looks like a mad scientist contraption. Uh, I wrote down this joke just because I it made me shake my head for a while. Um, Brain says, there lies the genius. And Pinky says, taking a little nap, is he? <laughs> <laughs> As I heard that, I was I realized I was like. Oh, that's a joke that whizzed right by my head every time as a kid. I don't know how many times I've seen this episode. This is the first time that that like registered. So Brain is operating the machine. He He's sure to note that like only someone as smart as him could even do so. He makes all of these crazy calculations on the fly and he makes Pinky uh, smart. I think what's interesting here, though, is that they didn't change Pinky's personality at all when mm-hmm. they made him smart. I know. He's not meaner or he has no less no less of that like childlike wonder that he had mm-hmm. before. He just suddenly knows everything, which Yeah, he's like an idiot savant. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Suddenly but but again super friendly. Yeah, no, I liked that they didn't just make him a copy of Brain, because that I mean that's what's so funny about as the episode continues is that they are two intelligent beings, but they're so different still. Shows how well the show is written, because it's a much more interesting episode than if you just made him the same character, you know? Yeah. And so, at this point, Brain, he's so excited to get started on a new plan now that Pinky's not dumb and he won't mess it up. So he presents <laughs> he presents his next plan for world domination, and it very much sounds like, you know, a pitch for what a Pinky and the Brain episode would be. Pinky says, oh, well, 
I think there's a problem here with your with your calculations. And he points out some, you know, techno babble <laughs> minutia and says, uh, this wouldn't work. And Brain is like, oh my god, you're right. You just saved us an entire night's work. We'll, we can skip right by that one. Never mind. Here's another one. And he shows him another one. Pinky finds the fatal flaw before they even start. Another one. Pinky finds the flaw again. And at this point, Brain is getting he's getting very frustrated. And Pinky's, <laughs> Pinky says, you know, it doesn't really seem like I was the the faulty factor in our plans. <laughs> it seems like you just maybe make bad plans. Ooh. And and ding ding ding. And Brain is like, no. Look at the graph that has your face on it. I plaid this out. Pinky approaches the graph, starts to make corrections to his equations, and then Brain blows up at him, and he gets very mad, and he just says, go away, leave, leave me alone. And again, I think this is a really interesting sort of choice that they made. To They didn't shift the personalities at all. They're both smart now, but Brain is still mm-hmm. arrogant, and Pinky still isn't. Like, Pinky is still, like, fun-loving. Well, yeah, it's like he never wants to prove Brain wrong. Like, he's not setting Mm -hmm. out to say, oh, you did this incorrectly. And so that's why it's so funny, because he is just like, oh, oh, I just noticed another problem. You know, like, crazy. Great idea. Great idea. Oh, wait, no, here's a problem, actually. This won't work. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) After Pinky has sadly slunk away after uh, uh, Brain berates him, Brain hits the calculate button on the new equations that Pinky has entered. (laughs) And lo and behold, it draws Brain's face. (laughs) And then Pinky is like, Pinky's such a little like abused person in this weird relationship. Because he's like, oh, I just miss what he used to hit me on the head and say, stop it. You know, like, Mm -hmm. now he doesn't even want to be around. (laughs) And it was, it's it's so sad. Because I just, you just want to be like, you deserve better, Pinky. You deserve <laughs> he does. better. He does. <laughs> they actually, they refer to that in Pinky and the Brain's first appearance in the new Animaniacs. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, it opens with Pinky talking about like, well, I've actually spent like the last two decades in therapy and I've realized that we're in, <laughs> we're in an abusive relationship and that you Oh my both. God, they went to couples counseling. <laughs> he goes through this whole explanation. And then Brain hits him with a pencil and says, quiet you. And then it's back to the thing. (laughs) I loved it. Oh, my God. I loved it. Um, Brain is uh, furiously scribbling again and uh, comes to the conclusion that one of them must be stupid. One of them has to be an imbecile uh, for it to work. That feels sort of meta to me because this whole episode almost feels like uh, the the writers tinkering around with the characters <laughs> and the formula mm-hmm. of the show. And I was just yeah. like, well, if they're so smart that they see the fatal flaw before <laughs> it starts, then there's no episodes. This yeah. is why we can't change things, guys. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Yeah. This is why. One of them's got to be dumb. And so <laughs> Brain decides he's going to make himself stupid by getting into the intelligence machine. We cut to Pinky moping around and he's, you know, bemoaning what just happened, like Liz described. And then he comes to the same conclusion. He realizes like, oh, things would be better if I was just dumb again. I'm smart enough to operate the intelligence machine now. I'll go over there and I'll make myself dumb. At different times, they both make each other dumb or they both make themselves dumb unaware that the other is doing the same and then they find themselves back in the cage and realize (laughs) that 
now they can't take over the world at all because they're both stupid and they can't they can't make brain smart again because they're both too stupid to operate the smart machine and that's it that's the end of the episode like i said there's no continuity between episodes you know no so good the ending though the ending are we gonna talk about that go for it yeah i love that last joke well it's just so dejected it's like the same thing we do every night i have no idea (laughs) (laughs) and then and then the very resigned narf in the background it's so good i laughed for a few minutes honestly (laughs) i have no idea i i do think it's funny that brain actually i feel like it's almost a sense of remorse that he feels maybe a little bit bad about how he's treated pinky in this episode because Mm -hmm. he does make himself stupid which is very interesting because i it's a little shocking that he would go through, and I'm talking about this very intensely for this. Yes, very you are. Simple, I you love know, it. <laughs> silly kids show, but I'm like, ah, maybe the brain felt a moment of like, you know what? I recognize that now Pinky is the better of the two of us, and so I'm going to sacrifice my intelligence to make this work. Which is just, it's surprising, I guess, because he is so arrogant and he clearly wants to be the one to do he it He does, but also, I mean, it's a consistent thing in Brain's character that he he actually, he really does like Pinky. Mm-hmm. If he didn't, then he would treat Pinky as disposable. But instead, right. yeah. Pinky is always, like, intricate. Like, every plan that he makes, he's like, Pinky is gonna be a part of this. Like, you're, you're coming mm-hmm. with me. Yeah. You know, like, we're gonna do this mm-hmm. together. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why, he, yeah. but they're best because buds. if he didn't have Pinky, he'd be alone. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And maybe he just—he's scared of the uh, loneliness of being alone. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. On the topic of thinking too much about it, I wonder if it's also because of Brain's personality. He so much has to be the one to fix the problems and be the smarter yeah. one. So the idea of that making himself dumb is actually the solution, instead of it also being like I'm so self-aware that Pinky's smarter. It's like. I'll be the one to fix this. This is my thing to fix. I'm dumb now. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like probably another reason that he wants Pinky around is because he needs someone to be impressed by his intelligence. (laughs) So, I mean. Or he he just needs to have power over someone. And it's easier to do that with another mouse. (laughs) That just doesn't seem realistic. (laughs) That seems kind of fake. The dynamics Uh, of the Pinky and the brain relationship are just, (laughs) wow. I'm taking it. Our new college course. (laughs) I'm taking a deep dive here. A very deep dive. The psychology of Pinky and the Brain. You know, if we can't do that, who can? Probably a lot of other people. There's probably a podcast about it. Probably okay, Alex I did also them. write down that there was a Jerry Lewis joke in this segment, and now I don't even remember what the joke was, but I remember them just bringing up Jerry Lewis. And oh, like, they were talking about Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. They 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 were talking yeah. about their uh their dynamic as a as a comedy duo, and then like mm. what happened what happened to separate. to them after they separated. That's right. Yeah, but it's so funny because that's another one where like what you were saying, Ben, is that this there's no way in hell I knew who Jerry Lewis was. No. I was watching this, right. you yeah. know, like no yeah. way. So it's just hilarious because they do put in so many of these references that there's no freaking way. Yeah, no, no kid, no kid in the nineties gonna... knows who who uh, Jerry Lewis is <laughs> or Dean Martin. So. I feel like I read something a while ago too that talked about the power of like Animaniacs and Steven Spielberg producing these cartoons. Mm-hmm. Just that he could do so many references because of who he was that he could just put that in a show and no one's gonna say anything no one's gonna stop it or be <laughs> no. like hey don't talk about me that way they're just like i can't say something negative to steven spielberg okay steven spielberg we'll just put that in the episode <laughs> exactly 
the last segment is very short and it's called Brainstem. And it is literally just, it's a song set to the tune of Camp Town Races <laughs> in which brain uh, goes through the anatomy of the human brain. And uh, Pinky uh, sort of bungees in every once in a while to add the refrain of Brainstem, Brainstem. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's, I don't know what else to say about yeah, it. That's a, what happens. It, is this before so or after good. the um, Animaniacs, like the country song? I think it was after. Okay. Because it's very much on the same school. It's very song, much. The Animaniacs had those sort of little educational songs. They had the Nations of the World. They had the um, United States Presidents, um, which mm-hmm. I, I used to know all the presidents in order because of that Animaniacs song. And now I've stopped caring about the concept of presidents. So I, I don't uh, think about that anymore. But... <laughs> <laughs> like oh what what i'm supposed to think they're important anybody can do that obviously <laughs> uh so yeah i but i did i did make a note here because at the end brain uh sort of turns to the camera and he says that ought to keep the little squirts happy and i'm wondering <laughs> because and th- so this is speculation but i do remember reading about how there were certain laws in place at, at different times about sort of educational requirements in, in children's yes. shows. Like you had mm-hmm. to put in yeah. a little bit of educational content, like every once in a while, like it was like required by law. And that's why you would have like PSAs at the end of like GI Joe shows and just mm-hmm. like, Hey, if somebody mm-hmm. gives you cigarettes, don't now, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny because they did the same thing with teen television with like anti-drug and anti-drinking and stuff because there was an entire episode of Buffy dedicated to how beer, it's literally called Beer Bad. And they made the episode to be, to fit that like requirement. And then the studio hated it so much (laughs) that they didn't even get, because I think they were supposed to get some sort of grant money for doing it. And they mm. didn't even get the money because they were like, no, this isn't even like proving anything is actually <laughs> like you're not money. actually going to help anything. I don't know. It's just funny because there was like this huge movement, you know, when we were kids, mm-hmm. obviously dare and like all that stuff. So oh, I God, think what a failed program um, that was a part of a lot of our media is like warning us about everything. Yeah. <laughs> and then you wonder why you have a generation of people with anxiety and it's like, well, <laughs> you've told us all like, to freak out about everything. And we're and disappointed because us. I spent my whole youth being told people were just going to offer me free drugs all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that hasn't happened once. <laughs> I have never had someone come up to me outside of a school play yard to be like, do you want to buy some crack? <laughs> like, that is not a scenario. <laughs> No, if, much if, less... Listeners, if this has happened to you, please write it. Yeah, tell us about the time <laughs> that you were... Not not even just, like, solicited to buy crack, but just, like, offered free crack. Tell me a time that someone offered you their crack. <laughs> <laughs> what, what steps did you do to get there? Oh I'm just God. curious. <laughs> uh, so oh, that's, that's that. That's the episode. You know, it's that's it's three segments in a that are all relatively short because it's only a, you know, half hour show and and it's a half hour network show so you know 22 minutes maybe total of of screen Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. um so not a ton of content there but that is the third episode of pinky in the brain so uh ben on our show we all are kind of explaining exploring our journeys of becoming adults and how the media of our childhoods affected us 
uh, we, you know, my biggest trend is that I watch everything spooky, and now that's created this horror fan that I am today. Yeah. Uh, why do you think you were so drawn to Pinky and the Brain as a kid, and how has that, you know, affected who you are now? Why are you like? Why, are you why like am I like this? this? <laughs> I actually kind of have an answer to this i i focused mainly on comedy stuff when i when i was a kid and um not to go too deep into the woods here but like or into the woods into the, <laughs> into the woods <laughs> some time. It, i wish um blackout i meant to say into the weeds uh but not but now i'm into the weeds on into the woods and we're never going to get out of here so no, we're stuck I, in Home Before Dark. My my dad used to watch um, Mash. Do you guys remember the? You know the show Mash. Yes, it was yes. before it was oh, before yeah. our time, but it would come on late at night. He would record it on VHS, and then he would like watch it when he got home from work. So I would watch that with him. And there's the the, the protagonist of that show is named Hawkeye Pierce, and he it, his character is based on Groucho Marx. He had a he had a clever response to every single thing that happened, like. Every single thing. Obviously, it was all written and carefully crafted by writers, but I didn't understand that at the time when I was a kid. <laughs> so I looked at this guy and I was just like, he has a clever response to every single thing. And that was the superpower that I wanted to have. Like, I would have <laughs> yeah. taken that over like flight or invisibility. Like, that was the superpower I was interested in. I got sort of drawn into comedy in general that way. And I think part of the appeal of Pinky and the Brain to me was that I did understand a lot of it. And I didn't understand other parts of it, but I wanted to. And mm. so it was like this feeling that like, oh, if I if I get more sophisticated <laughs> about comedy. If I get more sophisticated, I'll know who Jerry I'm going to be is. in the special comedy club. <laughs> and I'm going to understand all the jokes. So, uh, you know, maybe that has partially informed who I am now. I don't know. That's the best connection that's the best line i can draw between that show and who i am today yeah. good answer good answer yeah yeah <laughs> yeah hey ben where can people find you do you want people to find you do you want people to seek you out and hunt you um i do a podcast i've been doing a podcast this year with my uh with my writing partner brian it's called brian wants to do a podcast it's a um <laughs> It's basically a podcast that we improvise these wild conversations and then we edit them down so they're they're tight and hopefully very entertaining. Um, we have been creating stuff for a very long time under the banner of Friend Dog Studios. Uh, so if you search those three words, Friend Dog Studios, on YouTube or Facebook, uh, you'll find our content there. At the moment for our YouTube channel, we are trying to create our... Um, our sort of year in review video, uh, which I can't, <laughs> the details are supposed to be secret, but that's a major undertaking at the moment, uh, considering that, you know, all ordinary means of video production are kind of off limits. Yeah. <laughs> so we're having to get, we're having to get very creative, but lucky for us, there's a lot of uh, very talented artists out there who are super bored and are uh, willing to help us <laughs> do that. So yeah, check out Friend Dog Studios and be on the lookout for new stuff that we make. Fantastic. Nice. I will say I completely space because I always panic when I start off the episode. I was going to introduce you actually as a Jesus impersonator, but ah uh, yes, so. <laughs> yes. Um, I you know I so <laughs> what Casey's referring to is. 
we made a video a couple of years ago called GOP Jesus in which I played a, you know, an off-brand political Jesus. Um, and it, it, it did, it did pretty well. It, it got a lot of spread. In fact, to the point where I freaked myself out the other day because I was on Imger, Imger, how do you pronounce it? I don't know. Yeah. Um, just Imger. mindlessly <laughs> swiping as I often do. And then I was in a comment section and I saw a gif of, a, a, oh, excuse me. I saw a gif. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. whoa. <laughs> we don't stand for gifs in this house. I saw a gif. Of, <laughs> I saw a gif of myself as Jesus in in the comment section. And I, oh my and I God. was like, do what? <laughs> and I was like, that's how you, <laughs> what a weird that's experience. how you know you've made it is when you're, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's stardom when right you're there. A gif in the wild. Well, yeah, I was telling Blair that we had a guest on today and I was like, yeah, it's uh, one of my friends from college. Uh, like, and I was trying to remember maybe if he would know you from something. And then I was like, oh, he was Republican Jesus. Like, <laughs> so, and, and he was like, oh my God, tell that guy he's so funny. Like, so there you oh, well, go. Thank I you. told you. Uh, well, <laughs> I know it's not a video that you were in, but um, the Oprah bread with oh, uh, one of my favorites. <laughs> I just focaccia. Me and my friend literally just like yell bread names at each other all the time now. Still, because it's <laughs> one so of my favorite. Good. My roommate at the time w- showed me that vi- there's a video, an actual Weight Watchers video of uh, Oprah, and she's just winging it. And she's just talk. They were just like, "Oh, Oprah, talk about how good Weight Watchers is." And she's just like, "You know what's great, bread." And she just like, <laughs> I love she just like talks that. about it for I like thirty bread. seconds straight. <laughs> And he showed me that video and I just laughed my ass off and I was just, and then I went into my room and I wrote a parody and I was like, we have to find someone to play Oprah. So that's that one. I do love that one. And I, I love Brie too. So it also was like a moment of like freak out because she was one of my students. So I was like, what? Brie is wonderful. Oh, and in another example of weirdly seeing your stuff like pop up in the wild, uh, somebody in New York uh, uh, a friend in New York sent me a video, uh, a, a drag queen um, <laughs> lip syncing that whole video as so as part good. of her act. Oh my god! <laughs> That's so I was just like, that, this is it. It doesn't get better than that. Before we wrap up the podcast, I would like to let you know that we do have a visual companion to accompany this episode. You can find it on Twitter at Why Am I Like This, Instagram at Why Am I Like This Podcast, or Facebook on our Generation Why Am I Like This fan page. If you'd like to reach out to us, we also have an email, which is whyamilikethis at gmail.com. Y'all should know the deal by now. Do do the thing. <laughs> like, review, rate, subscribe, whatever the hell your service lets you do. We need validation. It truly sounds like you're about to, like, start beatboxing after that. <laughs> Y'all know, Y'all what, know what it is. is. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'd be the saddest beatboxer ever. Oh, my gosh. Oh, great. Well, now yeah. we're going to move on to... Our final segment of our episode, Many Good Things. My Many Good Thing this week um, is not something new. Uh, it's a show that I've actually binged a total of three times all the way through since wow. you know the whole pandemic started. And that's Bob's Burgers, because it is my happy place, and I'll always watch it. <laughs> and this week, for no reason, I couldn't think of anything to start watching, so I just threw Bob's Burgers on again, and I'm just like, yeah. and I'm much better mood. It's so great. So my many good thing is that today I gathered all of my strength and courage. I got a haircut. I haven't gotten like a professional haircut since the end of February or early March. Um, it's been a like a Frankenstein monster of 
trimming the own sides of my hair but letting the top grow as long as possible so it really felt fantastic to have someone just like snip away uh and it was super great and super safe and i loved it i went to qb house which is this uh like japanese line of hair salons here in the city and they're super cool and i like them so i got a haircut today that's my thing super cool it looks good thank you i appreciate it i mean ben do you want to share a mini good thing is there anything you've been uh enjoying lately yeah i've got something i uh this last weekend uh my girlfriend and i watched uh the new netflix movie uh mank which mm, is uh yeah. it's a david fincher movie um and it it actually ties into someone we were talking about earlier which is orson welles um it's about the process of writing the movie citizen kane mm. and it's great i mean it's it's pro- it's not for everybody but it is it's stylized in a citizen kane sort of way it has incredibly tight and super clever dialogue all throughout it feels very dreamlike it's just it's great if you're looking for something new to watch i would say that this is probably one of the best like new things to be released in 2020 it's on nice. netflix cool yeah Liz, what you got? So uh, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the show that I'm watching right now, which is Hunters on Amazon. Uh, it's not super new. It's It's been out for a little bit, but I finally am getting around to watching it. Um, and it's about, uh, it's like based on true events, obviously very much fictionalized from the true events, but it is about a group of people that are hunting Nazis that are hiding in America during the 70s. So these are all people that, like, most of them are doctors or scientists that were part of the Nazi regime. And then America actually invited them over to America, like, secretly and hid their identities so that they could use their knowledge. But people are now, like, going through and trying to figure out who these people are and killing them one by one. And it's just, anything where I get to watch people kill Nazis is just a good time. So, yeah. I mean, so it's it's good. It's produced by Jordan Peele. Al Pacino oh, is one of the leads in it, which is kind of interesting. At first, I didn't realize it was Al Pacino. And then I was looking it up on IMDb, and I'm like, wow, that is Al Pacino. I mean, he just looks so different. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's really good. And of course, the uh, mid-century modern lover in me is obsessed with all of the decor and the furniture and anything that's happening in the show. So I love the setting as well, because it's in the 70s, so... Uh, it's it's good. It's it's definitely worth a watch. That's our episode of the podcast. Thank you so much, Ben, for joining us. This is yes, a blast. thank you, mm-hmm. thank you for having me. Anytime it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll think about it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Hold your horses, damn. No. <laughs> so our next few episodes, for the first time, we're going to do a little bit of a random theme, and we're going to start off a musical palooza. And so Alec will be starting off our musical Palooza with... I'm so excited. We're going to be talking about Beauty and Be- Beauty and the Beast, the Broadway musical, the origin story of my uh, world in theater. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thanks, everyone. All right. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.